is the University of Northern Colorado Bears Coaches Show. Live at the Goat Sports Bar on Northern Colorado's Voice. 103.1 and 1310 KFKA. Here's Jerry Shamal. Hey, welcome folks to the UNC Coaches Show here at the Goat Sports Bar in Greeley on a cold, cold night tonight where we've got the head coach and the assistant head coach uh, joining us in the UNC Coaches Show. It's brought to you by Mark Larson State Farm Insurance. We're going to start with Steve Smiley, the head coach yeah. of the Bears. and. See, let's just hit last night's game, that uh, that game against Air Force. Uh, you guys played, I thought, pretty well, lost that one at the end, and that was a tough one for you. Well, well let's first give give, give some shout-outs to the people that actually braved the cold. I mean, yeah. This is amazing. It's, yeah. it's, it's freezing out there today, so it's good to see some people in the GOAT. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, it, I think the game last night, interesting game. Um, I felt like we, we actually played really well, watched the game today, and, and – um, you know, we just left some some shots we usually make, and not just threes. We we just left some shots in the on, on the uh, on, on 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 the court, and um, you know, layups, uh, a couple free throws, uh, just things like that. I think we started the game like two for seven from the free throw line, which is some real yeah. abnormal stuff. But um, they're really hard to play against. I was really proud of our guys. You know, one day prep, they figured a lot of things out. Um, it, it, it ended up being just a great college basketball game. All right, before we get back to that game, yeah. I'll, I'll follow up with you, Steve. You got a table full of folks over here. Yeah. Who, who do we got? You got your family. You got Houston's family. What do we got? Yeah, we got my crew. We got Coach Reed's crew. We got uh, just a bunch of people, and he's got his daughter back from college, and, uh, and he's got the whole thing. You know, our Mac Player of the Week last week. What? Big, big shout out yeah. to, to young Olivia. Yeah, she's 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 a monster. She's a monster. All right. And uh, but no, it's it's uh, we said hey, let's bring the families out. Let's have let's let's you know hang out, get get a little food. And, and uh, here we are. All right. Uh, I saw your son last night, I think after the game, shooting on the court. Yeah. And he shows up tonight with a boot on his foot. What's not up? good. Yeah. yeah. I, not good. I don't know. He was uh, he was uh, doing a little workout at, at his school with, with his teammate, you know, Johnny Reed, Coach Reed's boy. They play together. So, um, and he landed on a kid or something. And Dang. we'll see. I don't know. You know, sprained ankle or broken or something. We don't really know yet. So, we got got the MRI tomorrow. Uh. So. All right. Well, all the best on that yeah, one. Let's I, hope. Hope it, I hope it turns out all right. Okay, back to the Air Force game. See, why is it so difficult to defend that Princeton offense? Well, I, I would compare to, like, in football, um, playing against Air Force, you know, in football or, like, Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. They run that, you know, kind of old-school triple option. You never see it. You never see it. You don't go against it every day in practice. It's completely abnormal. So, with them being a Princeton-based team, and, and really they are the Princeton-based team. Like they are the – and Coach Scott as well, the way he runs it, they are the definition of Princeton offense, which means a bunch of cuts and screens and this and that. And they're not like a lot of teams now, like ourselves, that, that are going to run you know, a lot of ball screens and try to put two guys in the ball and create rotations. That's not what they do. They try to beat you with a pass. They're, they're, I think, third in the country in assisted field goals made. Um, and so it's just hard because you never see it. Uh, it's hard because you have a limited amount of time to prepare for it, and um, and so you just you try to you try to throw a couple simple rules at your guys and just try to hammer those ones in. Our our guys did a great job. That you know the de- the, the defensive end was not an issue for us, um, and they they still scored. But I thought we did a tremendous job guarding them. Um, all the little things they try to do for the most part, we didn't allow the, the you know the easy ones, and we tried to compare it kind of to the CSU game, where we want to make their fives beat us kind of put their R fives off of them just to, you know, build one more big guy down there to try to take away some of those cuts and layups. And, and, and I thought it worked really well. It's amazing when you watch that Air Force offense, Princeton offense, in that uh, how late in the shot clock they oh, take that crazy. shot. 
I mean, last yeah. night, uh, time after time, possession after possession, the clock's down to five and they take their shot. Yeah, we showed our guys six clips from the uh, Montana game. And in that game, those six clips, Air Force had shot clock violations. They just let the thing go down to you know, five, four, three, two, and maybe took a crazy shot with the second left. Point being that they are fully comfortable of using that entire shot clock. They will not take a bad shot. I mean, they're just they're coached well, and it's just a different way to play, but it really fits their personnel. They've got a bunch of disciplined, detailed young men um, that are that are military personnel, and so their life is very organized and regimented, and that's how they play. And it's just different. And, um, and so you, you've got to find a way to beat them. I thought another thing we did a, a, you know, a good job of, and obviously we lost the game, so it's disappointing, but um, I thought we played as much as we could at our pace and our tempo. They play a lot of games in the 40s and low 50s, yeah. and that thing pushed up almost to 70, which is you know, a lot faster than they want to play. Um, but we just, you know, at the end of the day, we just it came down to the last two, three, four possessions of the game, and, and, and we did not win those. Frustrating, I'm sure, for a coach when you have shots that you normally like in, in yep. the paint, layups, uh, yep. uh, contested in traffic, but layups, and then the three-point shooting was down for you guys. Yep. Normally, I think you're 37%. You were in the 20s last night. That's tough, isn't it, because you think uh, a couple yep. possessions, we got this game. Yeah, I think going into the game, you know, like our, our three-point field goal percentage was like fifth in the country or something. Yeah. And people always say, well, are you taking too many threes? No, because we're making it right. way more than we than, you know than we miss. I mean, our percentage is great, and, and, uh, and that's just the way that we're built. But it wasn't really that. You know, it, it, we were 5 for 23 or 5 for 24 from three. Um, so it wasn't like we, you know, one of those games where you're like 9 for 39. It wasn't that. You know, it was 23, 24 threes, um, which is a pretty low amount for us. But, man, in the paint, we just had some ones that we usually finish. And the amount of shots that went in and out, missed some key free throws. You know, another one that no, no one talks about is we got that two-point lead going in, into halftime. They have the last shot. Yeah. And they take a basically a contested, no-look uh, shot beyond the foul line. I watched it today just to make sure I saw it with my own eyes. Straight on, on the foul line, beyond it, threw it up and banked it in. Banked it in. We lost by two points. Wow. Pain, painful shot. Uh, it, was, it was tied at halftime then, It was right? tied. We, we were up had, two, and that yeah. got it to tied. Wow. wow. All right. I'm going to ask you about Dalen Coons. He, yep. had a, he had a good game last night. He missed a, a couple layups yep. and some free throws. But when you look, Steve, at the personnel you've had to coach, assistant coach and head coach in your time at UNC, does he stack up there talent-wise is toward the top? Oh, for sure. Does he? Yeah. I, th- I think he's playing really well right now. Um, I thought he had a good game. Like I said, there's a couple that he missed. There's a lot that he made as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I think the great players in the, in the seven years I've been here, you know, just off the top of my head, you know, including him, Matt, Dalton's going to be one of those guys as well. But you know, Jordan Davis, yeah. uh, Jonah Radabaugh, that are high, high-level pros, uh, Bodie, Coor, guys like that. I mean, I, I yeah, I think he stacks up with all those guys, and I think that he'll have a, a very similar uh, professional career, and he's going to have a lot of great opportunities. But he's just really bought into, you know, being a good player and being a efficient player. I thought he did a good job defensively last night. A lot of times people say, well, you know, how well does he guard? And I think he's getting better and better. But I thought he was really dialed in. If you're not dialed in against those guys, they will backdoor you. They'll get layups on you. And he never gave those up. He did a good job of that. I remember you talking about Dalen last year, and you said he came from CU to you guys, and you knew the talent level because you had seen him play before high school and at at CU. But he had improved in so many different areas. And you guys have a a rating system, I think, in in certain categories of basketball. It just kept getting better and better. Talk about that, if you would. Yeah, it was really basic. You know, we, we just showed him all of his kind of advanced analytics and like, well, you know, what's your field goal percentage? I mean, anyone can look at that. But 
there are tools and some different services we subscribe to that can get a lot deeper into it. Mm-hmm. And his his ratings were really bad. His second year at CU, his first year for a freshman was really pretty good, pretty solid freshman year, especially being in, in the Pac-12. But his sophomore year went down. The reason why is because as as his minutes go down, and it happens a lot, um, you start to force things too much. Mm-hmm. Then you start taking bad shots or whatever, and, you, and you're just not going to make them. So when he came in, we said, look, here's our deal. This is what we think is a good shot. This is a bad shot, okay? We know you have to take some bad shots because you're talented, and we're going to ask you late in the shot clock to just get a shot. So it's going to be some of that a little bit. We're going to ask you to take two good shots, what we think are good shots, not what you think, but what we think are good shots for every bad shot you take, two to one. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you'll be really surprised with the results. Did it, um, and that was his first year, and his ratings went up drastically. And then last year, you know, without really even emphasizing it too much, he went to like three to one. I mean, it was like three really? good shots for one bad. Mm-hmm. Um, really now he's to the point where he's almost eliminating all the bad junk out of his game. Mm-hmm. And so his ratings are, are they're, they're, you know, through the roof. Last year, you know, not only lead, you know, leading the big sky in scoring and being top ten in the country, but he was doing that on extremely high usage and extreme efficiency too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was number two or number one in the country in finishing at the rim. So going back to like last night. Yeah. He makes every single one of those, and he just he just missed a couple. There was that one in the second half with his right hand where mm-hmm. they shaded him left so much that he you know he did a good job. He ripped it back to the right at the rim. And he just just missed it. You know Matt missed a couple like that too, and and it is what it is. But now he's done a great job of becoming more efficient. It's funny when you do that, people at the higher levels, the pros and the agents and this and that, the NBA teams, they take note of that. Really, and then they start to realize, wait a second, this isn't isn't just a talented kid in college just scoring baskets that don't translate. This kid's learning how to play. I think that's been a big part of his, his progression. He's bought into it. Let me ask you this, Steve. What, what's a, a bad shot in college? And let me preface by yeah. before you answer by saying George Carl always used to say, and he bought in this new offense that we started seeing in the NBA about 10 years ago, said that the worst shot you can take is a 10 to 18 foot two. Now, if you want yeah. to get beyond the arc and take that three, you're going to score more. You're going to score more points. And if you get the layup, obviously, in the yeah. paint. Is that in college the same way? Is oh, yeah. that 10 to 15, 16-footer, the bad shot? It's even these little high school kids sitting at my table over there. So the bad shot's a bad shot. High school, college, pro, same thing. So, yeah. like, you know, we call them tough twos. And, yeah. and tough twos are, are contested pull-up jump shots. Like I think, like you said, Jerry, 10 to 18 feet. Um, the three best shots, I mean, we always quiz, you know, our recruits. What are the three best shots of basketball? And they kind of they just start guessing. But it's very <laughs> simple. It's, you know, it's a free throw, a layup, and then a three. Mm. Um, yeah. But we try to live in those three areas. And you, mm-hmm. if you live in those three areas um, and you stay away from the bad stuff, again, Dalen's going to have to take some of those, as is Matt. Late shot clock maybe, maybe coming off a ball screen and the big is so worried about him at the rim, he invites him to try to pull up from 10 feet. Well, Dalen can make that. Another guy that can make that tough shot is Dalton Connect. Mm-hmm. So Dalton has a little bit more green light than other guys on our team because he's proven that he can do it. Um, another great player, you know, Andre Spite, who's as good of a player as we've ever had here. Uh, Dre was the king of a bad shot, but he didn't miss it. Wow. So, you know, with Coach Linder, and he was the ultimate on shot quality. You know, every shot's a good shot for Dre because he was just that talented. Yeah. And everyone else is like, well, I thought it's a bad shot, not for Dre. Mm-hmm. And so those, you know, we call those like pro shots, and that's, you know, Pro, pro players make pro shots. Um, and so that's kind of what it is. We'll go to break your seat, but you yeah. appreciate this. I saw a quote from Grant Hill the other day. Oh, Actually, yeah. I, I heard it on TV. He was doing the game. And he said, I probably wouldn't be a great player in today's NBA because I was a mid-range jump mid-range. shooter. And I was not a three-point shooter. And I get inside a little yeah, bit, yeah. score and finish. But he said, I probably wouldn't be a very good yeah. player today. He's right. <laughs> I fight with my dad on it all the time. He's like, well, you know, the, the, the mid-range is coming back. He says, 
No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, the stats are the stats. It's 20 years of NBA and college, and it just proves it out. And over the course of the game, we can talk about it after the break too, but over the course of the game, if you take better shots with equal talent, you're usually going to win. Really? Yeah. All right. Steve Smiley's a guest on the UNC Coaches Show, brought to you by Mark Larson, State Farm Insurance. We'll take a break and back with the coach after this. This is the Coaches Show on KFKA. Show weekdays at 11 on Northern Colorado's Voice 103.1 and 1310 KFKA. And welcome back, everybody, to the uh, UNC Coaches Show here at the Goat Sports Bar, where some uh, brave people have uh, gone through Man. the cold here to get to this place tonight. <laughs> Good job, you guys. Way to brave the cold to get here tonight. The food is worth it, the oh, yeah. atmosphere is great. And uh, if you're going to go below zero, come out to the Goat Sports Bar. It's a, it's a terrific place. Steve's got his family. Uh, his assistant coach has his family here as well, getting ready for their Christmas holiday. See, I want to ask you this before we, we jump back in in this next segment with you, but uh, the pre-conference schedule for you guys, and I looked at yours and several other Big Sky teams, I think there's only one or two Big Sky teams with a winning record right now because yep. they do what you do. They go out and they play the big boys and get beat up. And then, and then they start conference play. Is that by design, or is that just fluky? I mean, why is it you guys always play these top 25 teams? Well, there's, there's some rapper that says that, you know, there, there's levels to this game, right? So there's levels. And, and really what the levels is that the, the way you break down college basketball, the level of, okay, the higher levels, perceived levels, they have money to buy games. Yeah. At the smaller levels, which the Big Sky would be at that smaller level, most of the teams in those leagues, uh, as, as ourselves, they need to play some of those games where they get bought. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, just for straight funding reasons. Yeah. So, you know, for us, um, I, you looked at it, you know, there's multiple buy games in there. But also, um, when you start to win, and not just when, you know, I was here, but when I was at Weber State, experienced the same thing. No one wants to play you. Mm-hmm. So now you got to do way more road games. Mm-hmm. You can't get like-level games uh, because there's enough teams out there to try to, you know, everyone's – Scheduling outside of recruiting, scheduling is the most important factor to winning. Who yeah. are you playing? Yeah, and so it's it's a really interesting game on on, on how to schedule. Um, so yeah, you know, for us, twelve games we could have had thirteen, but us and Montana were in the same boat last year. We, we each had three non division one games. Uh, the league mandates two. Both were kind of COVID situations where another game just got got kind of dumped on us. So we had to move to one non D one. So that's why you see, if you really look at the, at the records, most of the teams will have thirteen games. We have 12, Montana's 12, because we each did not get a second non-D1. And at that point in time, neither one of us could get another good home game. So we said, let's just scrap it. So, yeah, there's that. But then the top 25s, I think we're the only team that's played multiple top 25s. I was looking at that the other day. And that doesn't include New Mexico, who should be ranked here soon. They're still undefeated. Yeah. And so. um, No one else, by the way, has played two top five teams like you guys have. Yes. You're the only school. Yeah, I mean, and so, you know. Um, I think it's paying dividends. I think playing those games helped us to beat CSU in a great game, yeah. put us in a position to maybe beat CU. Um, and obviously, you know, I told our guys after, after that CU game, I said, look, I've learned that this team can go into uh, a great team, well-coached, top 40 team, and we can win. Mm. We could have won that game. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's encouraging. Now, you know, all, at the end of the day, the last thing I told our guys before we, we you know, got in the locker room and lost last night, everyone was disappointed. 
I wrote down five and seven. So what's our record? Five and seven. Everyone's you know demoralized. I said, well, what was our record last year in the non-con? Hey, no one knows. Hmm. They start just guessing. Oh, six and four. I said, no, five and seven. Hmm. So we were pretty good last year. We won 22 games. Yeah. Uh, we were 40 minutes away from paradise, right? Right. And right. Uh, we were five and seven because yeah. it's it's a hard schedule. And I, trust me, I wish we were six and six or seven and five, but. For us, nine of our 12 games were against perceived higher-level teams, mm. nine of 12. Mm. One was like-level, Cal State Northridge. Two were perceived lower-level conferences or Division Two teams. Wow. Nine higher, one equal, two below. Hard to, hard to be, you know, eight and four when that's, that, that's where the cards are. For a head coach, when you, when you start scheduling games like at Arizona, at yeah. Houston, at Baylor, do you think to yourself, damn, I just got – those are three losses right there on my, yeah. on my career record. Yeah. Does, that, does that get you a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Absolutely. It would me. Especially when you know that, okay, we might have five you know, money games and we only have one non-D1 this year. Wow. Theoretically, we're walking in one and five. Wow. Bad spot to start off the year. Um, so, you know, you, just, you look at it and you just got to try to embrace it. I, my brother who really follows it and uh, he was at the game last night, he said, man – he said, you guys are 5-7. and seven. He said, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you because I don't want to tell you this before the season because I started looking at your schedule. I think you guys would be pretty good. He goes, you might be pretty good, and I wouldn't have been surprised if you were 2-10 and ten really? at this point just because your schedule, it's like, well, that I mean, yeah. North Dakota State, Jacksonville State, CSU is brutal. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I, I just it, it definitely were disappointed in that loss last night. Wanted to really get in there at 6-6. Six and six. But at the same point in time, the last thing I wrote down for our guys is, Okay, what's everyone's record in the Big Sky? And it, you know, zero zero. Yeah, it's all that matters here on out. Yeah, I'm curious, and don't you don't have to name any schools. I know you won't, but are there schools out there your size that play you know Division two teams and and NAI teams just get the record up a little bit? For are oh, there yeah. coaches that do that? Yeah, and, and to be honest, you know, I think every coach would do it if they're allowed. Um, yeah, the yeah. lead the lead, so the NCAA allows four non Division one games. Okay, you got four. Okay, okay. Our league though. Two, oh. which is interesting, you know. Again, that I think he's trying to figure oh. out different ways to, you know, look. At, everyone's trying to figure out this non-conference and the net and you know, all this different stuff. You know, we are still a one-bid league, um, and I think that the coaches would look at it and say, "Look, every school is different. If you know, uh, school A has to play seven money games just to be, you know, exaggerate. Shouldn't they be able to play like three non-D ones just mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, again, you're also balancing out player mental health." You know, yeah. uh, you're balancing out travel because those money games are on the road. Yeah. So there's five road, road games for me, one home game. Well, every non-division one team that you play is a home game. More games for our fans to see, right? You know, we only have four home games. This, yeah. And, and we it was That's a crazy. month in between games. That's crazy. That's where you know another non-D one probably would have popped off, but it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, uh, some like like the Southland, for instance. The Southland allows four non-D ones. Every coach in the Southland plays. Four non D ones because they got to go play money games too. Yeah. So it's like, well, go play four money games. You know, four non D ones. At least on paper, we're probably balancing that out. I think the key is to get to a school where you are the money team. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, it, I'm it, joking. It, 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 it helps. <laughs> yeah, There's it a helps. lot, a lot of coaches that they look at it. You know, I talked to the guy at Southern Utah. He's a great coach, good friend of mine, Todd Simon. And 
we were talking last year, and he said, I've taken 24 money game losses in like five years. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and 24. No way. He goes, and he goes, if you take those out, my rec- his record's unbelievable. But you wow. had those 24 losses. It, it's really hard. Wow. Just because at the end of the year, no one knows. They say, well, how many games you win? Yeah. Well, here's the deal. There's somebody that they don't right, care. They right. just want to know how many games you exactly. won. Exactly. And when a guy like you, uh, if you ever want to do this, <laughs> wants to move up to another school like your predecessor did, you know, moves to Wyoming. Sure. Then you have, if you're Wyoming, you hope you look at that, right? And you say, well, you had a, you had some good teams, but you got beat. You know, you lost 10 games. You lost 12 games. Well, look at our schedule. We no played question. at Arizona. We played at, at Alabama. No question. You know, they, for us this year, just watching Houston, they're still so good. You know, yeah. they just beat Virginia. And they're, like, yeah. ranked two or three now. They lost that one game to Alabama. And I'll tell you, that New Mexico team is really, yeah, ta- really talented. And so yeah. just, yeah, and, and those are still great experiences. Our guys love playing in the pit. They love playing in Houston. There's a, but there's a line to it, too. Yeah. It's got to be a balance. Jeff Linder doing well. I mean, you, I know you're very close to him yep. still. Loving it at Wyoming. Obviously, oh, yeah. his teams are good. Loving it. Uh, they're having a rocky season so far. You know, they, they had the preseason player of the year, yeah. Graham E.K., and he, he uh, hurt his foot. Yep. Still not back. And so you, you want to remove the best player in the Mountain West from your team. Mm-hmm. It's been rocky. They're actually playing tonight um, in Phoenix, their last game. But, you know, they, they scheduled really hard. Because for them, they felt like if they could win those hard games, they would get they had a, they'd have the chance at an, at a, a large bit like last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Well, then you schedule hard, and then Graham gets hurt, and they've had some other injuries struggling. So mm-hmm. it's but now he's he's doing great, and talk to him all the time, and he watched the whole game last night, and you know, oh yeah, and he you know, called in the morning. We talked about it and stuff, and. He's uh, he, he's very uh, you know, he's just a huge resource for me. Yeah. All right. Final thing before I let you go, Steve. We'll sure. get your assistant uh, coach uh, um, Reed on here. The uh, CU game. We haven't talked about that yeah. other than the pregame show last night a little bit. But you mentioned it earlier. You guys played well. You gave yourself a chance yep. to win at Boulder against a really talented team. Thought we played great. I uh, was really encouraged. Um, you know, a couple couple different times we cut it to five. They called a timeout. We had the ball. We had one of our little pop screens that works really well. Matt Johnson, who just hit the same shot, had another great look at it, just missed it. That would have cut it to two. Um, and then in the big picture things, they're so good in transition. We knew they, they were going to get us on the glass because they're just they're elite and they're big. But you got to you know make enough shots, obviously, not turn it over. We did a great job. We only had ten turnovers. We forced the fewest turnovers of any team that's played them this year. So that was great because um, if you turn it over, you have no chance. But we missed a couple shots that, like, were really – fairly easy shots for us you're not going to make them all but if we would if we would have made two or three more of those shots it could have gotten really interesting at the end so great you know they're a great team uh they're a top 40 40 team right now um beat tennessee have been some really good teams so i feel really good about how that went um but again it's just it's just more learning and i think our guys are really embracing that so it was a good test as as was this Air Force game going in, in, into uh, Big Sky play. All right, non-conference schedule's over with yep. now. You start the Big Sky on the 29th on the road at Weber State. And so you, you've got that portion of it. I think you, you guys talk about it being three seasons. you got the non-conference, yep. you got the conference, and you got the postseason tournament. Uh, so you you moved to Phase 2 now, phase starting two. on the 29th. Yeah, we're healthy. You know, our guys, you know, I mean, obviously, Nock and Wood, we're healthy. Our guys are all back home with a little break right now, just trying to, you know, recover it's a quick break at this level but they got a legitimate five days which is really good for them they need it um get back on the 26th three days of practice go play and so it's got to then there's there's still some more things that we got to do a little bit better job of and learning our roster even more i think there's going to be some we need to play a little bit deeper you know guys like juju ramirez and langston reynolds we got to find them a little bit of time because they're good and we just don't want to be wearing out um you know guys like matt dalen dalton too much 
in the idea of playing you know, deep into the tournament. So got to figure a few things out, but we're, we're really trending in the right direction. All right, quick preview of the Weber State game. You coached yeah. there and know that program very well. It's a road game, always a tough place to play. Tell us about Weber State. Yeah, I know my, my good friend Eric Dubs is their head coach now. He was the associate head coach when I was working with him and Coach Ray as, as an assistant. Um, they really struggled early in the season. Yeah, they were 2-7, so. and seven, yeah. I think. And, again, a hard schedule. But, boy, they just beat Utah State. Utah State's first loss. They were 9-0. Um, huge win there. They beat Folly. They got BYU tomorrow night, and then they're on break. But they're playing better. Same thing. They, they have a lot of new faces, a lot of transfers. They're, they're still kind of plugging and playing, trying to figure it out. But I think they've start, started to settle in on what they want to do. And last two or three games, they kind of looked like the Weaver they thought, that we thought they would be. So it's going to be a tough game. They got one of the best players in the league, Dylan Jones. Uh, they're big, physical. So it's going to be a good one. All right, Steve, uh, Merry Christmas to All you. Right. Have a great time with your family. Stop. Thanks for stopping in, and Sounds we'll see good. you on the 29th. Okay, Jerry, appreciate right, it. Steve Smiley, head coach of the UNC Bears. A little round of applause for this man. Yeah, there we go, from the people who braved the cold tonight here at the GOAT Sports Bar. We'll take a break. This UNC Coaches Show brought to you by Mark Larson, State Farm Insurance. Back in a moment on KFKA. And we're back here at the Goat Sports Bar with Brave Souls. Brave in the cold tonight. It is below zero now. I think the temperature dropped, someone said 50 degrees in two hours and 15 minutes. That is crazy. That would be what we'd call abnormal, Jerry. Yes, igno- yeah. exactly right. Abnormal. Houston Reed is the assistant coach of the Bears now, and my guest joining me on the UNC Coaches Show. How about a round of applause for Coach Reed? Yeah. All right. You got Smiley clapping Thanks, for coach you. Smiley. Anyway. Yeah, and one of your uh, kids clapped, the other one yeah. didn't. This is Small okay? little golf clap. <laughs> that was it, huh? Yeah, Christmas hasn't come yet, Jerry. Oh, I got you. All right. <laughs> this is um, this is an easy day in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Isn't oh it? man, <laughs> I'll tell you. We, we talk about you know what the, what 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 cold is, and then we talk about Aberdeen cold. Yeah. Um, and so this is just a everyday thing for the people of South Dakota. That's a great point. Uh, both of these guys, Steve Smiley and Coach Reed here, played at Northern uh, in Aberdeen, South Dakota, right there near the North Dakota border. Been there many times, grew up in the state. That is, well, where any place in South Dakota is cold, but that place seems especially cold. Yeah, it's a lot different. There's a lot of difference between Aberdeen and Sioux Falls, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there is, isn't there? Uh, let, let, me, let me follow up on that. Northern um, is one of the, the, the teams that draws the best in college basketball for their size, Houston. Absolutely. Why is that? Only, only game in town? Success? What, what is it about yeah, that Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. You know, I think it's a combination of, of history and tradition and success. Um, I think it's just, in general, that whole area um, is just full of uh, a high attendance for college athletics. I don't know if it's not having pro teams, but yeah. there is something special about Aberdeen and Northern State, and they, they love their wolves up there, and it's, it just, it's just a little bit different. And um, for a town of 20,000 people, when you're pouring, you know, five, 6,000 people in every night, and, and your institution only carries about 2,500 kids, yeah. Um, you're surrounded by a community that love it and support it. And so I was only up there for two years uh, as a junior college transfer. Um, and so my two years there was amazing, going from junior college where you're playing in front of 50 or 60 people every night to, uh, you know, the whole town comes out. And uh, if you're going to the grocery store after the game or you're in a restaurant like this, um, just the notoriety and recognition for a smaller school was a tremendous um, experience. And, and uh, you felt responsible. You felt, you felt responsible um, not only for your teammates and your coaches, but for the community um, to represent uh, the, you know, the program, whether it was winning or losing or the way that you played the game. And so what a great two years for, for me. And then obviously um, that's where I met Coach Smiley. And 
and obviously growing a long a long-term relationship not only with him but you know well, most of those teammates up there and then playing for coach Meyer and stuff and so the whole catch of Aberdeen and Northern State was a, definitely a special time in my life what was it about Coach Meyer that was so special? What makes him that legend in your mind? Houston? You know, for me, you know, and one of the reasons when I got recruited I really wanted to go there is is, is that you, you, you knew that he was going to do anything it took to, to make the program succeed and get better every day, week to week, month to month. And um, I think what made him different is, is the things that we talk about as coaches that go into winning sometimes – uh, we'll do and practice those things maybe early in the season or they're an emphasis when you're, you're, you're you know, putting your building blocks down. But for Coach Meyer, there were things that we did every day. Um, and so those fundamental skills and drills um, that a lot of times we start our season off with, we, we started almost every practice off with. And he sustained it. Um, and then just who he is as a human being and a person. and um, Just a great combination of competitiveness and, and uh, uh, tough love, I guess is what we call it these days. Um, that, but you really knew deep down inside he, he not only loved and cared for you as an individual, but he really loved the team. And, um, and, and I thought that was special for me as I'm um, coming from junior college where it's a lot, you know, hey, you got to kind of get yours and trying to get somewhere to get in such a team environment I know was impactful for me as a, as a, as a, as a young man as well. And so um, those are a few things I think that really made him different. All right, tell me, I think I've got this story right, but I think it was Steve that was telling me this, that one thing about Coach Meyer, when you were playing for him, in a timeout huddle, he would hit his fist on your thigh. Is that accurate? Is, yeah, I mean, Steve had that right. Yeah, Steve probably like... caught most of that. <laughs> you know, being the point guard because we always had, you know, he has uh, timeouts were always organized, but the point guard was kind of always in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Steve and his point guard probably caught a lot more of Coach Meyer's fist to the knees. <laughs> um, but there's legendary uh, stories that, that Coach Meyer would, would put his fist in other places besides your knee as well. So, <laughs> but uh, that goes back to that 70s and 80s and 90s were a little bit different. So. Uh, you know, I think every coach, good or bad, has good or bad points. Uh, coach and with, with with Coach Meyer, was there something that he did as a coach when you were playing, or maybe you were just around him that way that you thought to yourself, you know, I respect that, but I'm not going to do that if I coach. There's something that he did that you didn't like, and maybe there's something you really liked that you yeah. grabbed onto. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know if this answers your question. I can remember when I first got there, and and he made some statement like, and if you guys don't do this, I'll kill you. And he had this look in his face, and I'm sitting there looking at him and saying, I think he, I mean, I think he might. Um, but, no, I mean, I think some of the things I learned from Coach, you know, and playing for a guy like him, and then you get into coaching, I think one of the things we, we talk a lot about is learning how to be your own coach. And I think a lot of us, you know, went into coaching, we try to emulate Coach when you first kind of start. And, and he, something he'd always talk about is you got to be your own person. And, and, and I know when I first started coaching, you know, Coach had set strict rules about so many things. Like, for me as a player, one of his primary things was, was permanent pivot foot. Uh, right-handed player, left-handed pivot foot. And, and, that, and that was just in grade. It was simpler. You know, you only pivot off of one foot. And when I came from junior college, I played the game for a long time with multiple pivot foot. And he just tried to pound that into my brain so hard. And I can still remember one time he just lost it on me. He's like, you know what? He's, he's like, you know, if you're not going to use a permanent pivot foot, just, we just do the same thing every time. <laughs> you know, and so as, as I, you know, those are one of the things I look at is, you know, just maybe not being as, as, as rigid and, in, 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 hey, this is you're going to do it my way or no other way. But then at the same time, um, you know, he, you know, I was, I was, I think, his, uh, his, the fourth or fifth only junior college player he had in like 30-some years of really? coaching. Oh, yeah. wow. wow. When he got the job at Northern State, 
uh, myself, a guy named Drew Groover, and Roland Williams brought three junior college kids in. And I think in all, all the time at Lipscomb, in all those years, he only had two or three. Wow. And so you say that, but at the same time, he recruited high school kids. He could break them down, rebuild them the way he wanted. Yeah. Um, and so as a junior college kid, it was a little bit different and uh, was a, maybe a little bit different for him coaching the junior college uh, players. Um, but um, I, he, he tore me down and built me back up, um, and it was rough. It? Because he had a short amount of time to do it. Yeah. And, uh, but I tell you, uh, when it started clicking, you really started understanding what he was really about. Uh, it just shows how genius and beautiful he is. And most people don't know he's got like a doctorate in psychology. And That's he really, really just understands those things. And, wow. um, and then he obviously had the, the blessing of, of Carmen, his wife, was always the soft soul and the soft, mm. the soft piece of it. And enjoyed going to her, uh, Coach's house. And you'd see Carmen. And it's like, man, she's so nice. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to rub off on Coach ever. <laughs> you played at Otero Junior College, yeah. and I, I, I saw this the other day that you scored 45 points in one game. Yeah. You remember that game? You, I do. Do you? I do. I'd, you had it rolling, huh? I had it rolling. It was, it was a weird game. You know, junior College is such a different uh, bird. We, we drove from La Hunta, Colorado to Hobbs, New Mexico in a people mover. Oh, um, our coach missed you know, the time, and we showed up 45 minutes before the game. Oh. And we get off the bus, and we roll out there, and our point guard, a guy named Mike Sykes, who's a teacher at Mullen High School now, I looked at Mike, and I was trying to get loose, and I said, I don't think I can do this. Whoa. And then uh, it was just one possession at a time, and, and uh, I remember talking to Steve just a couple of days ago about it. Was um, I think I made 20 free throws that game. Did you really? So wow. it was one of those games. It wasn't very glamorous by any means. I um, just got fouled a lot. and uh, But, yeah, it, was, uh, it happened. We ended up winning the basketball game in a close game, and then uh, – we stopped at Burger King, and we jumped back on the people mover, and we drove back to La Hunta, Colorado. So, and there's no publication. There's no radio. There's no media. There's no yeah. article. There's no – it's just you get right yeah. back in. And I think about ten days later, the athletic director told me, he said, hey, you just broke the school record. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's – more importantly, we won the basketball game. And, and I just remember just being – getting off that bus and just Isn't feeling stiff and tired. And, and, uh, wow. But it was fun. You end up with 45 points, career high, and set yeah. the school record in a game you show up 45 minutes before the 45 game. 45 minutes before the game. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's no a, scout. That's there was a, no scout. That's a great that's Show a great up and story. beat them. Yeah. <laughs> Houston Reed, the assistant coach with the men's basketball team in UNC, is my guest. We'll take a break. This UNC Coaches Show live from the Goat Sports Bar on KFKA. We are live from the Goat Sports Bar here in Greeley on a cold, cold Wednesday night. Folks uh, that are in the place here, thanks for being here and braving the cold tonight. I'm with Houston Reed, the assistant coach for the men. Steve Smiley and his family are here. Coach Reed's family is here as well. Coach, who do you got? You got son and a daughter and your wife? All right. Yeah, yeah. My wife, Leah, is here. And, and, uh, gosh, it's third job. She's moved everywhere we needed to go. Been married for 21, 22 years. Get that right. Close. All right. And then my daughter's here, home from college. He's a freshman in Colorado Mesa. And then my, my boy Johnny's a junior at Windsor High School. Nice. So, uh, right. Just happy to you know, get this little break and be able to spend time with them. And so happy that we're, we're all able to be together. Very so. nice. All right, let me ask you about your team. And we start, Coach, by, by asking about this. Dalton Connect was on the show last week, and I asked him about the coaching staff. And he, he talked about you first. And he said something interesting to me. He said, I feel like Coach – Reed is as much a father figure as he is a coach. Wow. That a compliment for you? That make you feel good? It does. Yeah. It kind of surprises me a little bit. I mean, I, um, 
I think sometimes we get so deep in the weeds of, of winning basketball games that we kind of forget about the mentorship of our young people and uh, just, you know, it's the stresses that they're going through and, um, you know, just trying to get better and be not only better basketball players but better students and better people. And Dalton is a kid that I've grown to like more and more since he's been here and, and uh, his play on the floor has been great. But that, that's, a, that's a heartwarming compliment. I, nice to hear those things. I see guys come off the court, and I see this in practice a lot too, but I see it in the game. They come off the court, and, and you don't just always – talk to them you give them a hug you put the yeah. arm around them i think that's really important for young guys isn't it yeah i think so i mean i i, I mean i think as leaders we're, we're you know we're really demanding what we're asking these guys to do i mean and, and rather if it's the mental aspect of execute this game plan or we want yeah. you to play hard and tough as nails we want you to sacrifice your body and we want you to do those things and a lot of times you know i think sometimes just some extra uh, you know love and encouragement that shows appreciation that Hey man, you know you're earning a little bit of love. Of hey, you're 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 doing the things that uh, you know go into winning, and I, I don't think those things need to go unnoticed. And I think you know the old saying: sometimes you give a kid a little bit of sugar, it'll give you a little bit more. And then when they do make a mistake, you don't necessarily have to come off and give them an earful. Right. You can just kind of look at them, and they don't get their bump of their love. You know, it's like hey man, you got you got to play hard. You got to make a you got to do a little bit better. And so, but that's something I've always thought was really important. And. Um, just knowing that your players appreciate how hard that, that, that they're playing for you. Steve talked about this a little bit, but I'm going to ask you too, uh, Coach, and that is 5-7 and seven at this point in the year. With the schedule you've had, happy with that record? Happy with where you're at? Well, yeah. I mean, I think overall you, you, know, you don't try to look, look back too much when you're in the season, but we are in a shift between non-conference and conference play. And I think when you look back, I know when Coach Smiley and I worked on the schedule together and building it, if you would have told us that we would be 6-6 six and six after that schedule, we would have been ecstatic. and. Yeah. Obviously, last night was a chance to kind of get to six and six in it, and you, you take a look back at at, at five and seven and and uh, at the schedule you've played, and, and you, you, more important to me than the wins and losses, just the growth, um, the growth that we've seen, and trying to figure our team out. And then um, Coach Smiley probably told you this answer too. The truth is, is that we're zero and zero. Um, you know, being a one bid league and ready to go into conference play, and I think we've learned a lot about our team. I think our team's learned a lot about what we're capable of, and. Um, but yeah, I mean overall, I mean I think we we're five and seven going into uh, uh, the league last year, in non-conference play, and had a chance to, you know, we we're one game away from getting to the tournament. So um, overall, yes, I mean I, I think the word would be, you know, pleased but not satisfied. You work with the big men. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about a couple of those sure. guys. Let me start with Theo Hughes. We know that he's not going to score a bunch of points for you guys, but he looks like coach a much improved player from a year ago. Am I am I right about that? Man, I'm so proud of Theo Hughes, man. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Just golly, you know, he come when he comes in here. He comes obviously all those kids that came during COVID, and you got Kur John Cooch is here, um, and it's like okay, just wait your turn, you know, let Kur roll, and and then you know COVID comes, it's like no, wait another year, um, and then just you know when he made the the he had, I was talking to him about the other day, he comes over here with all these this European feet, he's doing all this side Euro stuff and taking the extra step and the extra pivot and. I can just remember the process of, you know, one of the officials actually did our game last night. He's been a friend of mine for years, and I sent, I sent him a lot of clips and said, hey, are these travels or not? And I sent him ten of them, and like eight out of ten, he's like, yeah, those are travels. Really? And having to set Theo down and, and make change of, of, of realizing. I, Theo doesn't realize how strong he is and how big he is. It's hard to believe, but you don't have to do that. You just need to get to two feet and you need to be punishing. Um, and, then, and then just getting him to understand, you know, this year as we're building the team with those three good guards, you might not get a lot of touches. Um, it's just trying to get him to understand how we can impact the game without scoring the basketball. And he's rebounding. He's walling up. He's making winning plays. Just even last night, the one play where the ball kind of got fumbled around, and 
They throw it to the back, back to the backcourt, and he runs all the way on the baseline and makes that save to Matt. Um, and just making those tough energy plays, man. I'm, I'm really proud of that kid, and uh, I'm obviously more improvement to come, but the jumps he's made, and, and he's worked his butt off to get where he's at. Freshman, Brock Wisney. Seems like he's coming along too, Coach. Love him. Yeah. Tough. Just uh, you say Brock Wisney, I think it's tough. Um, told him in, in a film session two or three days ago, I'm really happy with how much he's matured in a short amount of time. Um, he's got to continue to become more disciplined in his fouling. I picked up two or three fouls last night that could have been avoidable. But uh, his upside is, is tremendous, um, not only because of his skill, but his mindset and how hard he plays. He's one of those guys that you just got to look at him and go, I don't want that guy to guard me. Um, because he's bringing energy, effort, effort toughness. Um, he has a chance to have a great career here if he'll stay the course. And a guy that just seems like he's getting more comfortable as the season goes on, uh, has gone on is Riley Abercrombie, yeah. just doing more and more stuff for you guys. Yeah, no, there's no question. And Riley's a guy that's in the gym every morning taking shots, doing the things it takes to be good. I'm really proud of how, how tougher Riley's gotten in a short amount of time. Um, there's times he's down there you know, battling fives, and, and he's got the, the size but not necessarily the weight. But he's not afraid to stick his nose in there. He's becoming more and more comfortable. Um, when we were recruiting Riley and uh, during the recruiting process, I kept telling Riley, you are almost a, 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 a mirror of Coach Smiley. They're so alike as human beings and really? people. Really? So detailed, so into understanding the game, so uh, just uh, deep thinkers and understanding process and understanding being a possession ahead and just getting it in general. Um, I mean, I think Coach Miley's elite when it comes to just understanding, uh, you know, how to attack an opponent and, and uh, uh, the math of it and the details. And I heard you guys talking about shot selection and stuff. I mean, he's so good at that stuff. And Riley Ambercombe's a guy that understands all that stuff. So he's not only is he getting more comfortable, Riley's smart. Um, and so you understand that comfortability with getting more physical um, and, and, and being, de- you know, winning plays. And you add that, that personality he's got that really fits our head coach. Um, I think he's having a great second semester. All right, you got your 12 non-conference games out of the way now. Yep. You start the Big Sky on the 29th. Um, I would guess, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, I would guess by the time that game at Weber State rolls around, you guys will have nine days off. You'll have the non-conference schedule behind you, and you're starting Big Sky play. Right. You've got to be fired up, right? You've got to be looking up. forward to it. And I'm, I, One thing I'm fired up about, too, is not only starting conference play, is that we got Coach Green on scout. I think Coach Green is tremendous when it comes to preparation and scout. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I know that uh, he's got a lot of that work done already and, and uh, following up with the most recent game. But having Dorian, Dorian's kind of had Weber State's number over the last couple of years. At least we haven't won them all. We got the big win down there last year, but we've played the game the right way. So knowing that he's on scout, um, I know getting a little bit refreshed is, is – uh, is something that, that for us that we'll, we'll have the right mindset coming in. Our, our guys and coaches as well. And then Idaho State the next night really think, you know, we got a chance to, you know, make that swing and come back and protect our home court at, at, at hopefully 2-0. Sounds good. Got about 30 seconds left. Uh, plans for Christmas with the family. What, what's that look like? I'm just going to try, honestly, to uh, – I told some of the guys this last night is it's, it's time to, to, to just enjoy the, some other things that are important in life. Yeah. Um, and so some of the other things that are important in life as a coach you, you miss out on. And so – um, as far as family and, and just being able to, to really lock into my wife and my kids is something I'm looking forward to. And I'm sure that uh, I'll, I'll start squealing a little bit and watching my Idaho State film as well. <laughs> coach, thanks a lot. Right, thanks Jared. for the time. Appreciate All right, you. Houston Reed, assistant coach with the, uh, with the UNC Bears. So that next game coming up 
on the 29th of this month. It's the first Big Sky game. It is at Weber State. That's a 7 o'clock Mountain Time tip, so we'll be on the air at 6.30, two nights later at Idaho State. Hope you join us for that. we got UNC basketball all year long right here on the uh, voice of the UNC Bears, KFKA. That's going to do it for our broadcast tonight from the UNC Coaches Show. Thanks for joining us on KFKA.